Welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. My name is Huai Chen Bui. I'm a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture journalist in New York, and I'm joined by only one of my co-hosts today. I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area. Uh, Anya cannot be with us. She had a uh, personal emergency she had to deal with. So we're going to talk about the Oscars. We're going to talk about uh, Bong Joon-ho's uh, historic win last night for Parasite. Uh, we're going to talk about Korean films in general. Like, in like you know, like if this is your is Parasite if, is like your first interaction with Korean cinema. Uh, we are going to give you, or I guess HT more likely than me, because I don't know as much. We'll give you like a recommendation of lists. We're going to talk about it all. Um, so. Uh, HT, what did you think of the 92nd Oscar ceremony? Oh my god! Ah! <laughs> that was my reaction the entire time, basically. Man, is this is what sports, uh, watching sports is, feels like, because I just felt like this incredible high driving me through this entire ceremony as it got closer and closer to the big top trophy, and I was thinking, is Parasite gonna win? So my friends and I had an Oscars watch party at my place, and we all, you know, gathered around the TV, my new antenna that I bought on Amazon, and um, eating some Ramadan and other Oscars-themed food. And we were just incredibly excited to see uh, Parasite, which already had um, was making history by just being nominated because it's South Korea's first ever Oscar nominations in history. Um, to see it just like, you know, Hopefully, Sweep the Awards. It's kind of been the underdog of this awards season. Um, other movies like 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Joker have been favorites of the fest- of like the festival and awards circuit so far. 1917 was kind of like the, the um, expected winner for the big awards this year because it's, you know, aside from being a, a good movie, it kind of ticks off all the boxes for what an Oscar winning movie would be and it had won a lot of the awards leading up to the Oscars and yet Parasite just like the movie itself pulled the rug out from underneath us and won best picture Bong Joon-ho won best director it won best international feature it won best original screenplay and Bong Joon-ho made history uh well became the first person in 67 years to win four Oscars in one night since Walt Disney. And he he's the only uh, uh, he, uh, Parasite won the Palm Door earlier this year as well as Best Picture and that hasn't been done since the film Marty mm-hmm. which I believe was like in 1956 or something. So yeah. it's been a while. It's been a while. But other than that like this is a win that's breaking all sorts of various barriers. This is the first foreign language film to ever win a Best Picture Oscar. It's the first film to share both Best International Feature and Best Picture trophies. And uh, as I said before, first South Korean films ever be nominated for an Oscar, let alone win an Oscar. Four Oscars Zero to that. 60. Zero, Zero to 60. Zero really to 60. Cool. And it's just such a radical, amazing, progressive choice from the Academy, which has always been known as sort of like the stodgy institution that picks the safe bets and is basically like the boomers of uh, of Hollywood. And um, they went with something that – they went with a movie that um, takes down the class system and uh, – uh, and class stratification and the rich and poor uh, division and 
takes a mirror to that, takes a lens to it, and absolutely just like, oh, awarded the best movie of the year, which is really a rarity for uh, the Oscars, which is uh, sad to say, but wow, I can't believe it. The Oscars did the right thing. We live in a world now where Parasite, best picture winner, and oh my god, I'm just like, oh, (laughs) ah, ah. I'm so happy. I'm very excited. It's very fun. I know. Um, I think it also like Bong Joon Ho has been known in like as in like film cinephiles circle as like a, a master filmmaker for a while. Um, like with Okja and Snowpiercer and uh, Mother and uh, trying to list the hosts. Like he's had us. He's like never like all his films have been like quietly like masterpieces that everybody talks about like oh if you're gonna you know oh Bong Joon-ho is like a filmmaker to watch to like watch and uh, Snowpiercer was was the first film I ever saw of his and then I watched Okja when it was on Netflix Um, and then when you recommended the host for Anya and I to watch on our little like like summer reading podcast our book reports sort of thing and that was you know that an experience to watch that was his like his jaws his monster movie yeah that was his uh, Um, his movie that put him on the international map right right. and and so but i feel like you know he like none of his none of his uh films have had super massive box office success and so like he's very much been like the sort of like film twitter film buff like favorite and now he's won the best picture like he i think this definitely is like you know he now has a blank check to make anything he wants and it's going to be very exciting to see what he does next apparently he might be co-produce he might be producing that hbo version of parasite everything's sort of up in the air with that it's such it's weird because like there were reports that it was going to expand on the characters. And then like a, there was a report today that Mark Ruffalo was going to be cast in it. So who knows what's going on with that? I'm not really sure. Parasite He's... is a, a, a standalone work of art. Um, I definitely think that Bong Joon-ho is like the new Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. Like, cause Parasite very much is a Hitchcockian thriller. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it, and like all of his movies have had such uh, incredible, like suspense in in like the way that it, it is edited and directed um it's so meticulous and, and precise every scene exactly. every frame it's just amazing it's like clockwork the way that he works and yet there's someone, such emotion uh, flowing through his films too someone reposted the uh scene where uh song kang ho is describing the tuberculosis of the nurse mm-hmm. and uh, the base, the the peach scene, the infamous pe- peach scene, and the it was edited because it was in response to 1917 winning best editing, uh, <laughs> which is funny because it's a one shot, um, <laughs> and quote unquote one shot. So you and you just see like the technical craft going into the editing of talking about like rehearsing the script and actually enacting it and enacting the plan, and it's so technically brilliant and masterfully done on like all level of filmmaking that is just sort of like oh i just want to rewatch parasite right now yeah. um speaking of a... that scene um <laughs> nerd writer uh did an excellent video essay on that scene called uh the how bong joon ho pulls off the perfect montage and it's specifically about that scene the heist peach scene so you should check that out it's on youtube and the under nerd writer's youtube channel 
Nice. So I'm I'm very excited for Bong Joon Ho to now have like hopefully m- like massive appeal and like his his films will be seen by more people because those movies are incredible. Um, yeah. Best director this year this decade has had a lot of international winners. Um, we've had like the the three amigos with uh, uh, each winning at least one best director in your E2, one, two. Um, Guillermo del Toro and Alfonso Cuaron, they all won a best director. Um, and I guess they all won best picture this year, this decade as well. Um, Alfonso did, did not. Man Alfonso Cuaron did not. Because uh, Roma only won right. be- best um, uh, foreign language, best international feature. That's right. It tried to do the thing that Parasite did last mm-hmm. year or this year. Um so and now and South Korea now has you know a win on the on the map like it's very incredible um and yeah I think it's it was they did the the screenplays early so I guess if we want to talk about more about like the Oscars right now the the uh the screenplays were announced like those were like the second and third awards mm-hmm. after Brad Pitt won for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood which I thought was very um. Uh, interesting because usually those are done at the near the end of the ceremony with director and actor so it it sort of gave some momentum to both parasite and uh bong joon ho like early on because he was also a writer on the he like co-wrote the film Mm -hmm. and so like suddenly people were like wait to like win best picture you usually need to win a screenplay award either you know adapted or original so like people were like (gasps) can he take it Mm -hmm. can he take it all and he did. Yeah, he did. And Taika Waititi won for adapted screenplay for Jojo Rabbit, um, the first Indigenous man to win an, the uh, a, a screenplay award, uh, and or I guess an Oscar in general. No, because Taika Waititi won back in two thousand five for a short film um, that okay. he like Oscar short film. That's the the little um, video that you you've seen of him when he was like when he was young, doing uh, when he yeah. won the awards like sleeping and because uh, he had asked all the other nominees to do a bit with him in which they all like were sleeping on camera when their names were announced and he was the only one who did it. <laughs> Oop. Um, yeah, so he won, which is very incredible. Uh, I thought Jojo Rabbit was a, 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 an incredible film, so I'm very glad that he got some recognition i do wish knives out one because i think the script is really good but i'm glad parasite won yeah because either parasite or knives out were my like two hopefuls yeah my i have mixed feelings about the taika waititi one even though i love jojo rabbit i i was really really rooting for greta gerwig with little women especially because little women um is specifically about the act of writing and about the art of writing and craft of it and uh how you know women its central message is about how women are not allowed into the club of geniuses, and yet they can ascribe importance to something and importance to those parts of their their lives um, by writing it. And I I I was really um, happy when during the Oscars the scene they showed for the best um, adapted screenplay for Little Women was the scene where uh, Joe and Amy were talking about ascribing importance, and she says, you know, I think. Um, writing them will make them important and i love that they use that and it just made broke my heart a little bit more when they lost that award but i'm very happy for taika waititi and his win for jojo rabbit right I, it was sort of it's sort of like a you know those are my two hopefuls for adapted screenplay as uh, leaning more towards little women 
but I'm very glad that Jojo Rabbit, yeah. Jojo Rabbit, who my bugs bunny, uh, Jojo <laughs> Rabbit, uh, won the award. Uh, so will, uh, will be... were there any other? Uh, yeah. Oh, I was gonna ask you. Were there any uh, wins that you were really excited about, and were there any that you were a little bummed about? I was a little bummed that the lighthouse didn't win cinematography, just because. Like, I love Roger Deakins. He's great. And I still haven't seen 1917. And I know, like, the cinematography is basically, like, the thing you'd go to the movie for. And so it's probably a deserved win for him, which is funny because, like, he hasn't – it's like the dam broke and uh, when, when he won for twenty forty nine uh, Blade Runner 2049, and now he's won two Oscars in two, in three years. Now he's getting uh, which everything. Which I'm all happy, I'm happy about. Yeah, Deakins. Yeah. God, but, um, Deakins. But but The Lighthouse is such an extraordinarily weird film with amazing cinematography that I wish it was. Um, it won, I believe, cinematography at the Indie Spirit Awards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it got some recognition there, and Willem Dafoe won like Best Supporting Actor there. So there's that. And but um, yeah, no, I was a little disappointed just because I thought. Oh, the Oscars are going a little weird this year, you know. Taika Waititi and Parasite. Maybe we'll get some some uh, interesting cinematography win. I was really surprised. This could be a super weird niche thing. That sound, the two sound awards did not go to the same film. They were split between 1917 and Ford versus Ferrari. And I was like, I don't think I've ever seen it where the sound awards did not go to the same films. Yeah, usually they go to the same ones, but this time it's split between War Goes Boom and Cars Go Vroom. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> if we had taglines or cold opens, that would be it. There you go. But yeah, yeah um, I was generally happy with, like, all of Parasite's wins. I wish, to, I wish that um, The Irishman had come away with something because it was, I think, the most nominated movie this year to come away with absolutely nothing. And Scorsese, yep. you know, is one of the most influential uh, legendary directors working today still, and he's one that has inspired so many of the directors who are nominated alongside him, including Bong Joon-ho, who, um, during his Best Director speech, gave this really heartfelt um, tribute to Martin Scorsese and got everyone to do a standing ovation for him. But yeah, it was, uh, and that kind of dulled the blow a little bit of Scorsese walking away with nothing. And The Irishman, like, which Netflix poured a lot of money into, just like having no wins at all. And I'm upset about that. I was hoping that Irishman would at least come away with uh, best editing for Thelma Shoemaker. Uh, would have been also the one, the few uh, women winning an award at um, at this year's ceremony. Uh, but, and it just, it was odd to me that it went to Ford versus Ferrari of all things. Cause I would have been happy with, Oh, that's right. I thought yeah. it, it was just like the oddest. I win. thought it went to 1917. No, I would have been happy with yeah. it going to either parasite or the Irishman. And instead of any of the discourse films, it went to Ford versus Ferrari. So that was very odd. Um, and something that I was very unhappy with. And, um, yeah, I mean, like, the we talked about a little bit before about, like, what our preferences are in our previous lead-up to the Oscars um, episode. Uh, I wish that, yeah, I wish that there was more love for Little Woman and that it didn't come away with only one Oscar, which was for costume design, which felt very sort of um, like the Oscars giving their requisite, oh, ladies, here, you get the... Uh, yes, they were... 
they were in dresses. Yeah. Mm, yes. yes. Here's the award for the dresses. Here's the award for dresses because it's the girliest award. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's something that I, all the wins aren't anything I didn't expect because um, the acting nominees went to the ones who'd been sort of sweeping for the past uh, awards season. Renee Zellweger won for Judy, though I wish that Saoirse Ronan won for Little Woman. Um, Best actor went to Walking Phoenix for Joker. Uh, I was really rooting for Antonio Banderas for Pain Glory. That was not going to happen, even though he was a favorite early on. And um, I'm glad he was nominated. I know I'm happy he was nominated because it's like it's honestly a career defining role for him, and he just broke my heart through and through. Um, what else? I'm happy that Roger Deakins, God Deakins, won Best Cinematography. Um, I wished that. Um, uh, you thought? Oh, Klaus. You wanted yeah. Klaus to win instead of Toy Story I was, uh, I was really rooting for Klaus. I was hoping that uh, – I was really interested to see, like, if Disney and Pixar wouldn't dominate this year because all the other films were, were like, sweeping or, like, taking the the trophies in the lead-up to this. And Klaus won a bunch of Annie Awards, which is the animation um, sort of uh, award ceremony. And Klaus, I think, is honestly the best of the animated films in the category as – Toy Story 4 is good, but I really would have been happy if Klaus had won. But yeah, it's, um, oh yeah, and Brad Pitt, of course, won Once Upon a Time Best Supporting Actor, um, and he was great. I was rooting for Joe Pesci, the Irishman, that would have been great. He gave us a soul-stirring performance. He came out of retirement for that role, um, and he wasn't even at the Oscars. He was like, I don't care, so <laughs> that would have been great, but you know, Otherwise, I am happy. I'm still like floating on a cloud for this uh, ceremony just because parasite, parasite, parasite. Ah! Now you're look. You uh, did Marriage Story win anything? Uh, it was it only, the only, was it the alt? It only won one award, and that was Laura Dern for Best Supporting Actress. <gasps> That's right. Mm-hmm. I forgot that that was for Marriage Story and not for Little Women. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I, mean, I think it should have been for Little Women. She was better in Little Women than she was in, in Marriage Story. She was fi- she was good in Marriage Story, but she was very much like playing her character from B- Big Little Lies. Um, and it right. felt it had very much like same a... Same energy. Yeah, like a career award for her, which I'm fine with because I love Laura Dern. This is her first Oscar win. And uh, she long deserved it if it's gonna be for this one then i'm happy that she like she won that yeah i am like that and brad pitt they both got like career oscars mm-hmm. um and renee zellweger i guess or she she won, won she right? won for cold mountain so okay so yeah that wasn't okay so it wasn't her first oscar win Mm-mm. it has been a long time since renee zellweger was in anything yeah. um and that's because of Hollywood. Hollywood sucks. Yeah. Um, and they hate women and... aging. Yep. Um, and probably just women in general. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of sexism mm-hmm. in the Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, Even though like what did this... you think of? Oh, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was gonna say, speaking of women at this ceremony, a lot of the jokes by the presenters and the show itself was. Uh, felt like it was trying to address the fact that there was very few women and very few people of color who were actually nominated in any of the categories. And um, I didn't like it. felt very just glib and self-congratulatory as well as being sort of like half-assed at the same time. felt like they're just like covering their asses and saying like, oh yeah, we acknowledge that we didn't nominate anyone, but what can you do? And I just liked that whole sort of 
tone to it um as well as like the somewhat empty um attempts to elevate women within the ceremony itself i will say the uh conductor the first female conductor that they got to perform a medley of all of the uh best original scores was dressed awesome she looked like she was stepped right out of dune so i actually enjoyed quite enjoyed that performance but um yeah otherwise it felt a little bit i don't know uh too little too late sort kind of, of thing like a little bit of like mm, our bad yeah very very much so a little pandering at points so um but otherwise <laughs> the ceremony itself was a little all over the place um did you catch any of the ceremony while you were uh watching on twitter Willoughby? Um, I saw bits of it. Uh, it seemed like there was a lot of introducing of other people to introduce other things. Yeah. Like, did at one point uh, Anthony Ramos introduce Lin-Manuel Miranda, who introduced, like, the the best song category or yeah. montage, and then Eminem came out to sing Lose Yourself or Rap Lose Yourself, because yeah. I guess it's a rap. Uh a song that won 18 years ago yep. and I guess he didn't perform then. So now he's performing now because it's Billy, because like 18 years ago, that's when the song is. And Billy Irish, who I, Eilish, who's also 18. is just like, what the hell is going on here? Uh-huh. Yep. There's the great reaction images. That's what I saw. <laughs> it was a hot mess of a ceremony, but it was kind of enjoyably a hot mess. Like, it uh-huh. felt like they so were like just the kind of yeah, sort of like the globes. It felt like they're just throwing a bunch of things at the wall to try to spice up the ceremony from your classic, just like uh, here uh, presenting the winners and everything. But um, in the process, they lost focus a bit, and it felt like um, the lack of an Oscars were more absent than ever. So, oh, sorry, lack of an Oscars host was more absent than ever. But uh, it it worked a lot for them last year because it was so short and concise but this time they went over because they're just like what can we do without a host let's just add a few more gimmicks and random performances and a rap performance by that guy from pitch perfect um i will say when eminem came out to to perform lose yourself we all lost it (laughs) Ah, it was amazing because it came out like it came out right at the tail end of this montage of all of like these best original song winners of the past and they started showing the scene from 8 Mile in which Eminem is about to go on stage and we we're like they're playing this scene very early on are they going to even get to the song are they just going to play the entire scene what if Eminem comes out on stage and performs lose yourself and he did, and we all screamed, and it was great. And I know people hated it, but I absolutely loved it. I my it got my adrenaline pumping, and it was almost like a precursor for when Parasite suddenly comes in and sweeps, uh, sweeps the Oscars. It was just crazy. I couldn't understand it. I couldn't. I couldn't explain it, but it was great. And um, well, that's the thing. That's the thing about Eminem is that you really just have to lose yourself mm-hmm. uh, to the music. Yeah. <laughs> The moment you own it, you better never let it go. Mom's spaghetti. <laughs> but yeah, like honestly, the moments of weird, surreal messiness were some of the best of the Oscar ceremony. But I do think that they could, they could not do it twice. If they tried to go hostless again and do the same thing next year, uh, it would definitely start to grate. But um, I enjoyed it this year. It felt very like accidentally charming. 
in a lot of parts. So um, yeah, I actually enjoyed this year's Oscars despite the messiness and lack of focus. I was ecstatic with Parasite winning four awards and Best Picture and ah, Bong Joon-ho's every moment on stage because he's a precious human being who he did not deserve. And um, we love him and I love him. I have this theory that, you know how we, we're sort of living in the darkest timeline right now mm-hmm. um, and how everything since 2016 has sort of been batshit mm-hmm. and Parasite's now won. It's sort of been like a very like, um, you know, like a pre- hopefully a precursor to the fall. Mm-hmm. But there, I've, I've seen just a ton of reaction videos of like people like filming their group losing their shit to uh, Parasite's winning like you know, it's rare to get like Oscars reactions, reaction videos. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I'm just thinking that in the universe that Hillary Clinton won the presidency, I think Joker probably would have won <laughs> the best person in that universe. Just to, to sort of balance the, the, the two out. So it's like comic like. balance of the universe. <laughs> yeah, there has there's balance to the force. And mm-hmm. in our dark timeline, we get Parasite. And in Hillary Clinton presidency joker and green book book would still win obviously uh but joker would have won and swept the entire uh it would have won everything parasite won um <laughs> it's a very cynical way of, of putting it i'm that makes me a little sad again but no i mean it's a completely fictional thing yeah unless you believe multiverse you know in the multiverse anything could happen dr strange is going to learn that in a couple of years um so, no, but I'm very happy that Parasite won, and I'm mm-hmm. very excited that this sort of energy, the the eat the rich energy, is uh, co- coming forward in, in 2020, yep. uh, because capitalism is a cancer on society. Let's be real. Yeah. Um, I shouldn't say a, that because, parasite. yeah, well, my parents would not be happy to hear me say that, but that's the lesson <laughs> of Parasite, just because they're, they're not fans of communism. Just, you know, you probably know why. Well, no, I mean, like, socialism is some sort of some 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 some, some pure, regulation is yes, needed yes pure capitalism is a cancer yes there it is there we go we need something so we you know what we need big structural change we do <laughs> we need to rehaul the living world in addition to the afterlife as you see in the good place which also has the argument that there's no ethical consumption of under capitalism yeah, mm-hmm. Parasite and The Good Place exist in the same universe. Yep. Um, we were lucky to have them. I know, they both, a lot of endings uh, in, in in this year, uh, in this month. But uh, things don't have meanwhile, to end. No. With um, Parasite have, winning Best Picture. Do you, have, do you have recommendations for people who may be interested in watching like, international Korean cinema? I do, in fact, because if this was your first um, time dipping your toes in Korean cinema, uh, there's so much more to discover. Not just Bong Bong Joon-ho's filmography, but other works by Park Chan-wook, Lee Chang-dong, all these other great, Hong Sang-soo, other great Korean directors. And I'm going to give you a couple of recommendations. I will say, I haven't seen all of them myself. I haven't even seen all of Bong Joon-ho's filmography. I have not yet seen his debut film, um, Pigs. It was... Was it called Memories of Murder? No, Memories of Murder is the second film. Gotcha. Pig movie. (laughs) What was it called? 
Uh, not Okja. Not Okja. It was something. Um, but yeah, I haven't seen his debut film, uh, which, uh, and I also haven't seen Mother. But let's go into a short um, list of movies that you can watch if you're interested in diving into Korean cinema. So you can watch other Bong Joon-ho films, like the ones we mentioned before, Snowpiercer and Okja, both on Netflix. Two of his Western films. Um, Snowpiercer is also a, um, a, it's a sci-fi film, also about class, um, and is a nice compliment, actually, to Parasite, because where Parasite is told in a vertical manner, um, Snowpiercer is horizontal. It literally divides. Yeah, I'd say... mm, go ahead. I was just going to say I'd recommend if people are like sort of nervous about like diving their toes into like uh, like international cinema. I think Snowpiercer is a good um, bridge to that mm-hmm. because it is most it is mostly in English. Uh, Chris Evans, it's got a, like a lot of like American cast in it, uh, but um, like it still has it's very it's it's very much Bong Joon-ho's film mm-hmm. uh and so I think that his, like his sort of style and uh uh filmmaking is still there so like it's a good way to be like oh now I'm gonna okay now I'm gonna go back to Okja or now I'm gonna go to the host mm-hmm. and then broaden your horizons that way yeah so yeah Snowpiercer is a sci-fi film that takes place in a post-apocalyptic world that has uh been frozen uh, in an effort to stop climate change. Uh, and the only survivors of humanity are on a perpetual train that travels around the world, the train by, of which is divided by class with the, the poorest at the back forced to eat protein bars and the front um, populated by the wealthy that live in decadence and luxury. And it follows Chris Evans' character who is attempting to stage a re- revolution to take over the rest of the train um, with the poor people in the back. And um, it's excellent. It's a great, taut sci-fi thriller. Uh, check it out on Netflix. Okja is his other one. It's his uh, probably least popular film, but it's one that has um, has really great performances and is a wonderful, whimsical little uh, sort of Ayo Miyazaki Studio Ghibli-esque story about a girl and her super pig and uh will turn you vegetarian likely um also stars nope <laughs> did not turn Didn't me vegetarian yeah but it's Didn't about a girl it. who uh be- is best friends with this pig that is sent to her from a corporation that is experimenting on um genetic super pigs and they tend to take it back uh, to uh sort of turn turn it into bacon and she launches a rescue mission alongside other animal advocates um it's a great film and uh also available on netflix but who's in think, it oh uh jake gyllenhaal steven yun <laughs> and um good it's pretty good cast yeah also everyone going a little bit nuts uh but i think the best of bong joon ho's are actually in his korean works uh you can check out his big genre monster film called The Host. It was his uh, breakout film on the world stage. It follows a family who is struggling to try to find the youngest, the, the daughter uh, played by, of the, of the father played by Song Kang Ho from Parasite. And um, that is captured by a monster that emerges from the river, uh, mutated as a source, as a result of 
pollution uh, by American scientists. So it is a really great monster movie and also a great indictment of both class and um, American corporations. Uh, and also, his I think his greatest film is Memories of Murder. It's compared to Seven a lot, but it actually came out a couple of years before David Fincher's film. And um, it follows Sir- Korea's most famous serial killer in the 80s who targeted young women and um, who was never caught until last year when the, the killer finally came forward with the confession. Um, but the film is just fantastic. It's riveting, it's taut, and it has a couple, has a central characters who are incredibly unsympathetic, uh, played by Song Kang-ho again, uh, Bong Joon-ho's favorite muse. He plays a really horrible and misogynistic detective that you end up sympathizing with and it it goes to show just like Bong Joon-ho's deft uh, ability to bring some engender sympathy out of like really any character Um, and um, it's just really fantastic his masterpiece after Parasite and um, that's that's one you should really check out Memories of Murder but uh, Bong Joon-ho's filmography aside other Korean films to check out Train to Busan a zombie film that uh, is set entirely on a train. A breakout, uh, a zombie breakout happens while a father and his daughter are traveling to Busan, and um, they attempt to survive. It's very, uh, it's very tight. Again, watertight film uh, with a surprising emotional center. That one's directed by Young Yun Sung Ho. Uh, one of the greatest zombie films of the past decade. Uh, really fantastic. I think it's also available on Netflix. You should also check I think out. So too. Oh, what are you gonna say, Willoughby? Oh, I was gonna, I was gonna ask if someone's tired of zombie films, do you think they'd appreciate the movie? Yes, for sure. Oh, cool. Because that's me. Yeah, because <laughs> it's very much about the sort of emotional journey of the main character, who is like a workaholic father um, and uh, trying to protect his daughter. And the zombie action is some of the most acrobatic that I've seen uh, in recent years. But yeah honest a great film train to busan soon to be remade again in america um you should also check out the works of park chan wook he is best known for his vengeance trilogy which includes uh lady vengeance sympathy for mr vengeance and old boy old boy is considered one of the best korean films of all time very disturbing very violent uh incredible film uh park chan wook's the handmaiden was also more recent and it's a erotically charged very erotic lesbian thriller set in um colonial korea when uh, when korea is being sort of um has been colonized by japan um but yeah he has a much more stylized and hyper violent tone than bong joon ho bong joon ho has kind of a sense of humor in his films whereas park chan is just like a very intense dude but they're also best friends which i think is hilarious and amazing um i didn't know that yeah well it's actually really interesting because you you were comparing before bong joon ho to the this generation's pair uh alfred hitchcock but um i'm kind Mm -hmm. of seeing the emerging 
a group of Korean directors who are like at the forefront of the Korean wave right now as the new um, 70s filmmakers from like New Hollywood. You see like when you see Scorsese, Francis Ford Coppola, George Lucas, Steven Spielberg all coming up together and they all knew each other and they're all making films that broke boundaries and that changed Hollywood as they know it. I feel like the Korean filmmakers are kind of doing that on a global scale right now because you have Bong Joon-ho, Park Chan-wook, Lee Chang-dong, Hong Sang-soo all coming together. And they're all like close friends, all similar in age, and just kind of bringing Korean cinema and world cinema to a new level. And it really feels like some sort of like revolution happening right now. Um, other films that you should check out, Lee Chang-dong's Burning, one of my favorite films of the past decade, a really hypnotic, mesmerizing film about love, lust, and obsession uh, based on Haruki Murakami book. Um, other films, uh, I actually haven't, yeah, there are, a couple, there are a couple I haven't seen, but um, ones that I've heard good things about are The Good, The Bad, The Bad, wait, no, hold on. I'm doing this wrong. The Good, The Bad, and The Weird, which is a spaghetti western-esque film. I think also starring uh, Kang Sang-ho. He is in everything. He's kind of the face of the Korean wave right now. Um, I learned about The Good, The Good, The Bad, and The Weird in my uh, international cinema class. In, oh, hey. Or I guess European cinema class in uh, college. I don't know why we learned about The Good, The Bad, and The Weird. It might have been one of those, like, uh, here's other non-European movies to check out yeah. sort of deal. Well, um, definitely but check that was definitely, I remember that being on a, on a slideshow. <laughs> yeah. Um, another one that I haven't seen, but I've heard good things about is The Wailing. And that one is directed by Na Hang Jin. Uh, it's apparently very excellent. Um, I don't know much about it, but it sounds amazing. And um, it's about a uh, suspicion leads to hysteria when rural vill- villagers link a series of brutal murders to the arrival of a mysterious stranger, um, a Japanese man. And um, there are so many great Korean films. Other ones uh, that I that I would uh, recommend as well are The Villainess, a great action film starring a uh, female um, assassin who wants to get out, but she keeps getting pulled back in. But yeah, so many excellent films. Uh, Korea is just kind of a embarrassment of riches right now in terms of great cinema just from the past two decades and you should check those out so willoughby are there any korean films that you've seen that you've liked um you've listed them all (laughs) Uh, unfortunately i don't have i don't have i need to broaden my horizons um i need to i want to go back and rewatch uh bong joon ho's films uh fortunately uh this is for local fans of korean cinema uh the afi silver is going to do a run of all of his movies uh starting march 23rd i believe so hopefully i get a chance to watch the the films i haven't seen and also catch uh the host and uh why am i suddenly forgetting all of his movie titles um snowpiercer and okja on the big screen uh i saw parasite uh in october uh, but I would check like out to see... Memories of Murder. It's my favorite one after Parasite. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Awesome. Uh, and l- luckily, I've, I rented Parasite and I have 30 days to watch it. And so I'm excited to, to show my girlfriend because she wants to watch it because uh, it's a very good movie. Um, yeah, 
I don't really have anything else to say. I think I think this was a it was a fun night for the Oscars, especially from last year where it was like we've nominated Green Book for Best Picture, and now it's like the Oscars does this whiplash of like great movie, bad movie, great movie, bad movie, like for like Best Picture winners. So like I'm excited for uh, the future of cinema yeah. um, and Bong Joon Ho's career. I think I think we're in it. We're it's going to be a good time. Uh, yeah, I believe in cinema. Yeah, it yes. felt like this this night was a great celebration of movies. The Oscars can be really polarizing, but this past night just felt like people who love movies gathering together in celebration of their love for movies. And I was just so happy that the Oscars hadn't lost that. The All right, movies. yeah, movies, pictures, pictures. As Scorsese says, pictures. Um, I think that wraps up our discussion about the 2020 Oscar ceremony, Oscar awards. Ah, uh, let's move on to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. All right, Willoughby, why don't you start us off? What do you really like this week? Brick on Blu-ray. Yeah. Ryan Johnson's uh, premiere film uh, from 2005 starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Lucas Haas, Emily DeRaven, uh Noah Segan. It was it is a, the, the neo-noir high school detective movie <laughs> in which Joseph Gordon-Levitt tries to uncover the murder, uh, the murderer of his ex-girlfriend, uh, and also, there's a brick of cocaine involved. Um, so, the brick is like a 15 year old movie, and when it came out, it was only available on DVD for the longest time. Uh, and recently, with the uh, um, uh, blown up career of Ryan Johnson, who uh, directed The Last Jedi and recently Knives Out, uh, now has the capital wherewithal to do a Blu ray transfer. Uh, of brick and that's what he did so he went back and he like oversaw it and like made sure that it looked nice and perfect and it looks so the the transfer looks really good i have this movie on dvd and it, it looks fine for being like a dvd you know um but I, the 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 blu-ray transfer just looks so good the colors are really like they pop uh, it's like a crisp uh you know look to it uh, you can, you know, you see the details that you probably would have seen in theaters uh, that, like, you would have missed in D- on DVD. Because uh, I, re- I was when I ter- when I put on the movie, I was like, I don't remember it being this colorful, and it's probably because the DVD didn't have, you know, didn't have the expert 1080p resolution to show you everything that you could see on theater. So I'm very excited for that. I also uh, scored myself a Blu-ray version of The Brothers Bloom, which is Ryan Johnson's second film, because it was like, you know, Amazon's like, here's recommended what you should buy when you buy Brick. And the Blu-ray copy was right there. And I was like, all right, let's do it. So now, except for Knives Out, I own all of his movies on Blu-ray. So once Knives Out comes out on Blu-ray, I am very excited to go through his filmography uh, in uh, glorious high definition. So yeah, that's Brick on Blu-ray. Woo! That's awesome. And I want to shout out to you, HT, for recommending I watch the film back our, in our freshman year of college. Oh, was that me? 
Oh, man. Yeah, so, because it was on Netflix, and you were like, you should watch this movie. So I was like, I did, and then I loved it. Yeah. I don't even know how I started, how I first watched Brick. I think I just stumbled upon it on Netflix, and I was like, wow, mm-hmm. this movie's great. I want to spread the word on it. And I did. Was, was it because you had, like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Was it Joseph oh, Gordon-Levitt? I think it was. It was definitely Joseph Gordon-Levitt <laughs> fever. That's what it was. Okay, I remember now. I didn't stumble <laughs> upon it. I looked it up. <laughs> You 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 de- you detected it out. You ser- you you searched for it. I searched for it. I blew the case wide <laughs> open. I tell you that that movie has so many so many so much dialogue that only makes sense if you're familiar with detective movies. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, it's um it's a true cinephile movie, but it's great. I hope it. I haven't seen it since college, since that year that I like introduced it to you. So. In a while. Oh yeah. I want to check it out. I wonder if it still holds up. But yes, my really like this week a TV series that I have been watching on Hulu with my roommate Rebecca, and it is called Rami. It was uh, recently got on my radar because um, the lead actor who also created it, uh, Rami Youssef, uh, won a Golden Globe for Best Actor in a Comedy. And he's excellent in it, as is the series. So Rami is an American comedy drama series that is currently airing on Hulu about a first-generation Egyptian-American man who uh, is sort of trying to reconcile his own relationship with his Islamic religion with um, his millennial life. So it feels very much in the vein, like it feels like a very much the successor to the millennial comedies like girls master of none it feels very much in the the feels very much like a spiritual successor to master of none actually it kind of has that wry sometimes cringe often very insightful and funny uh observations about immigrant life and just millennial life uh living in our current day um that master of none had and uh rami is excellent i've i've watched the first i think six episodes of it so far and it's just fantastic it's really well written uh it's uh basically goes every episode tackles sort of like a sometimes a different character sometimes it talks about rami and his sort of uh wondering whether he should try to settle down for like a nice muslim girl but also liking the casual sex that he has sort of become used to but also trying to be a good muslim and not drink and everything and then at one point it like goes into his uh, family as well like his mother gets a really great episode just about her and sort of like her um wanting some sort of spice or excitement in life and his sister too and the pressures of being a young Muslim girl slash teenager actually she's a college student and how she's uh, resentful against him having a lot more freedom and at one point there's a really really fantastic episode that um, goes back to when he was in elementary school and 9-11 happened and he was sort of like the one uh, Muslim face in his school and uh, just kind of dealing with that first those first pangs of racism and xenophobia that he had never experienced before and it really it's a fantastic show uh, I, I highly recommend it if you liked Master of None if you liked Girls if you like Atlanta uh, Rami is excellent and that's on Hulu now that's exciting i've heard very good things about rami um i saw that it won the golden globe so uh or he won yeah uh, for best actor 
so yeah, that's very exciting. Uh, I'll have to check that out because I love Master of None. Yeah, definitely. So that if you guys want to talk to us about the Oscars, about Brick, about Rami, or any other things that you're watching or liking right now, please chat with us. And where can they do that, Willoughby? You can join us in the Bong Hive on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. You can rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And where can they find you on the internet? You can find me at htranbui on Twitter. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye! Bye.